But I think the biggest loss to your generation is to show up and don't show up, if you understand what I mean. Like, you actually were here, but you didn't show up. You didn't leave your full potential. You didn't leave your mark. You didn't create impact. You didn't leave that purpose. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew. A guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. Okay, I am delighted to welcome Jane onto today's episode of Find Your Voice. It's an honor to have her on the show today. I have sadly had to reschedule a few times, so I'm so glad we finally got this going. So thank you, Jane, for being patient with me. And it's great to finally have you here today. How are we doing? We're doing great. And it's an honor. I'm literally excited to be on the platform today. And I can't wait. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this conversation myself. So I just spoke to you briefly about where I think this episode should go, because I think you're going to fill a space that we haven't really had in this podcast series up until now. So 105, 106 episodes, and we haven't really discussed this. So I think this is going to be really, really important. Of course, I want to know about the other things that you're doing as well and why you do what you do and all the amazing things that you're doing. So for the listeners and for myself as well, if you can just give us a summary about your life and some of the things that you're doing and then we're going to dive into those topics because I think the listeners are in for a treat today. You know what I'll do? I'll, I'll slightly switch it by giving you a day in my life. So I'll tell you what happened to me. So today I woke up and I first got into a meeting. It was more like an executive meeting. I ran into my colleagues in the UK and South Africa. Once the meeting was done, I headed off because I had to sit on a webinar. It was a panel talking about digital economy. So digital economy in Africa with uh, speakers from quite all over, from Silicon Valley, somebody in Ghana, someone in the UK. So we sat in the panel. There was an audience of about 50 people. I finished the panel and it was time for break. I took a quick break and I went dancing in the living room with my daughter. She's nine. We danced around the living room to a song she loved because she wanted a show. (laughs) She wanted to put on a show. I did that for about 30 minutes to one hour. Then I prepared for this podcast. And that's how it plays out. So that's Jane in a quick summary. You could tell my passion from that. I have a passion for technology. I've grown in the sector for over two, for about two decades now. I'm actually passionate about women empowerment as well. You see, I told you it was an all-female panel talking about technology. I thought that was unique, definitely unique. And of course, I, I, I work for uh, an organization that provides satellite or broadband services for West Africa. So that's a quick summary of Jane. <laughs> And I know you do so much more as well. So women empowerment, especially in the tech space. So I actually worked, I think about eight years ago in the IT sector, and it's very, very predominantly a male type industry. So it's nice to see that you've got a panel full of ladies there. What kind of work do you do and what kind of things, if you could give us a bit more context in relation to the woman empowerment side of it, please. So I've been in the tech sector for about two decades. And one of the things I noticed earlier on in my career, like there were lots of women at the early parts of my career. Like I started to climb the ladder and I saw fewer women and sometimes the only woman. And it starts becoming a bit like lonely or odd. Like I'm not the only woman here, you know, 
you don't actually notice it until on, on, you know sometimes things happen, and that made me start up a nonprofit. It's called Women and Career because. I used to have a lot of women come to me to, you know, mentor them or, you know, tell them how I did it. I thought, wow, is that, is that really a thing, you know? But, you know, I started mentoring them and it evolved into this nonprofit I called Women and Career. And basically that's what I'm passionate about, helping women that want to grow their careers, helping young girls start one, which is so key. Because sometimes, from my experience, young girls really want to do something, but because of culture, environment, or just persuasions from others, they change. That's example, like being in the tech space. Sometimes they're giving the wrong information about what tech is or what tech stands for. So that started that passion project of mine. And I do that actually, before I started the project itself or the nonprofit, I was already doing that in subtle ways because um, like one of the first big management jobs I got, I walked into the office, I had a team, a team of 30, 25 people. I was the only female apart from the, the secretary, <laughs> the office secretary. And I'm like, that's interesting. You know, like we need to see more ladies here. So you know, it just became more aware that, you know, you start to ask yourself, what happened to all those ladies I knew? Why were they, why were they leaving the sector? Why are they not there? As I climbed the ladder, I saw fewer women and you really want to stop. You really want to try and contribute to solving the problem. And that's why I, I became passionate about helping more girls be in STEM, helping more women retain their career in STEM. I absolutely love that. There's a few things that you actually said there. So thankfully we have you now giving them the right information. So a lot of people are given the wrong information. And one of the things I try and do with Find Your Voice is I try and lead by example. So I've done everything my parents have asked for me or what my culture should we say, has expected from me as an Asian person, i.e. educate yourself, get yourself a degree, get yourself a master's and go get married and do all that sort of stuff. But I've always felt that every single one of us are unique in the things that we want to do. But it's either having that courage or having the right exposure to the right people that can almost kind of push you and give you that nudge. So it's great that you're there now to able to help young people and say, actually, your life doesn't need to go the way that you have been told. There are other avenues, for example, tech or whatever they choose to do. And I absolutely love that about you in terms of what you're giving. And you're almost changing that culture now and breaking the mold. And I think that's what I try and encourage with Find Your Voice. I bring so many diverse people on here because they don't need to do what I'm doing. They don't need to do what their parents tell them. There are so many things in this world and we have this one opportunity of life and it's so short and fragile that we need to embrace that and take it on. So kudos to you, hats off to you for obviously taking your time. And you can see how passionate you are. So if anyone's listening to this on the podcast, Jane is just full of smiles and she's making me smile as I'm saying this as well. And you can see that enthusiasm. <laughs> it's amazing because I think it's infectious and you can see the fact that you actually want to help these people move forward. So let's dive a little bit more into yourself. So prior to doing this and starting your non-charities and helping young people tell us about you as a person how was you growing up was you always this bubbly was you always this confident growing up you know, interesting that's what they asked me i was in a speaking engagement I mean, <laughs> lady, have you been always this confident i said and i smiled i'm like no i was your little shy girl at the end of the class but you know that's the interesting thing about having something you're passionate with and exposure because of your desire to learn i started off shy you know uh, as a young girl, you know, I, I grew up from the slums. So you can imagine that on your self-confidence. That's like literally like, because you're shy, you feel everybody's better than you. And then I, I was fortunate enough to get into a secondary school. 
as we call it, or I think some people call it colleges, with the middle class. So it was a government-funded school. And if you were bright enough, you could get in. But it still was weighing down on me because I felt I wasn't good enough. Everybody around me, they were all exposed and they would tell me the stories about their dad being a doctor or their mom is an engineer. Like, these are people telling you their experiences and you were so inspired. That exposure was key for me because that's when you start to think, wow, I can do that. I would like to do that. I would like to have a family like yours because that exposure was feeding me with ambition and dreams and things I could aspire to compared to living in the slums where I didn't have those role models. But you talk about resilience and I say resilience is so key. You know, you don't have it figured out and the first time you wouldn't get it right most times. So I'm an engineer today. But, you know, to do engineering, you have to study sciences. And I keep telling people, my first physics test, physics is one of the key courses. So the first assessment I did or test I did, I got a zero, nilch, zero, big one. But that doesn't mean that I, it stops you from being who you are. The first time you fail doesn't, doesn't judge the outcome of who you're going to be. But it exposes you to what you probably need to put in the effort on all the things required to get there. Because then I knew that I had to step up my game, you know. Then I got more interested in, you know, how do you get people that, you know, are this smart? How do you understand? How do they study? How do they read? You know, you, you start to get involved. Who should you hang out with? What should you read? So resilience becomes key because your journey wouldn't be as smooth. Like I say it now, like, oh, you can dream and aspire. But the reality is that the journey is not as smooth and it's not as straightforward. I remember a time I was like passed for promotion like three times. Yeah. Like, you know, it will come, it will come all, all across in, on your journey. It's what you do with it. You know, you could take it as a journey where you're going to learn and you're going to try the best you can to enjoy the process. Now, I didn't say the outcome. I said the process because the process is when you're transformed and that's where you learn. That's where you acquire the skills. Sometimes when you get to the outcome, it's just a day. Like, in one day you achieve it. I'm like, okay, now I am now the, the manager. So what next? What, what, you know, what do I have to aspire to? But the process of getting there is so key. And that's where resilience comes in. Because like we said, things like self-doubt, imposter syndrome, but it's good to protect your mind and feed your mind. For me, it starts with the mind. And that's one of the things I was fortunate with. You know, you protect your mind by what you feed it. You know, are you more decisive in terms of what you feed your mind you know what kind of information something to make it grow something to challenge it or something to bring it down and something to keep you down and keep you depressed then you know when you're protecting it it also determines where you go to get information you know you can decide take for example social media you can binge on social media but there are people that are learning stuff on social media they're doing research so if you're a bit intentional you can really focus on feeding your mind. You can take tools and turn them into something positive by really going after, how do I positively feed my mind to achieve my goals? And those things will help you because on those bad days or days you don't feel good enough or days you feel like you don't have what it takes, it's just the little things that will bring you up, you know, the little victories or wins or the people you hang out with. That's why I was talking about environment also being important. Just being among people that can challenge you, inspire you, people that can make you go for it. So those are things you have to be intentional with. 
those are the things that will help you through the journey. And I think that's how you start to cover resilience because it gives you the energy to go back again the next day and try. I didn't make it today, but I'll try again tomorrow. A friend came and cheered me up and we've decided that let's try it again. Let's do it again. Go back for that job interview. Go back and try that training. Go back and talk to that person that said no to you. I absolutely love that. In that five minutes there, you've given everything that people can pick up in a hundred episodes. It was just knowledge bombing, knowledge bombing. I love that because everything you've said there is it's simple stuff, but people don't do it. And hearing it from somebody yourself who is a leader, who's now helping people, I can't stress how important that five minutes is. So if anyone's listening, rewind that because I just wrote a page of notes as you were speaking because I'm like, this woman is incredible. So I'm going to take it back. I'm going to segue backwards. You started from the slums, as you just mentioned there. So at that point now, resources is a problem. The lack of resources that you have. What you recognize is the moment you were exposed to something above what you currently had, you got curious. And then you had this intentional behavior of learning more and then going forward with it. And then you touched on failure. And I love your definition of failure because you got a zero in physics. And I was doing a YouTube video today, actually. And um, I was talking about trusting the process. Success for me isn't a destination. You've got to enjoy the process as you go along with it. And I was on about science and I was so bad at science. So I used to choose science to be a part of my friendship group. So all my friends were really great at it. So I used to select science and I used to fail all my exams. I never got a zero. So I wasn't that bad, but I was really, really poor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But what you, what you mentioned then, and this, this is really important, is that you saw it as a learning opportunity and a way for you to recognize, okay, now what I recognize, I've got a zero. So there's a gap in my knowledge. And in order to become an engineer and do the things that I want to do, I have to just work on that. And it's simple, but people don't do it. And I'm so grateful that you've done that. And now you've come out the other side because if somebody gets zero, if you have a fixed mindset, you instantly think, oh, I'm just not good at science. And maybe science is, isn't for me. Whereas you have the Janes of the world where you're thinking, hold on a second. If somebody else has done this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lift myself up. And I absolutely love that. I think that is so fantastic, that point you mentioned there. And then just at the end as well, in terms of your, your environment. So I always say to people, get around better people. I do this podcast and it's become a very selfish pursuit now because I meet people like yourself. You send me writing notes there because this now... In this short 20 minutes, I've enhanced my mind. I fed my mind with stuff that is much better than if I pick up my phone and I'm on Facebook looking at other people crying and arguing with each other. I don't need that in my life. I need some of this. So Jane, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm glad we dived into that a little bit because I got to know you and where you come from. You had two choices and you chose that you're going to make something better of your life rather than being a victim. And I absolutely love that about you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So Resilience is something now you've obviously demonstrated in abundance. You've came literally from the bottom. And I mean that in the most respectful way possible. Where you are now, you briefly told us about the day in the life. You're, you're dancing with your child you're, and you're kind of flexible. Is every day that way? Have you designed your life where you are in control and you're able to consistently take control of your day? What other habits do you do as well? So habits are key. I'm happy you said habits. So Every day, don't be too hard on yourself. Every day wouldn't be like this, you know. Like if you had met me probably on Monday, I wasn't that <laughs> serious. <laughs> I probably was going from one meeting to the other, looking through, like you know. So every day is not the same. But I think the important thing is to be flexible. You know, we have we have goals, and we have to learn to adapt as well. You know, if you have to pivot, just think of what happened now with the COVID. We all had plans for the year. Then we just figured out that we're all on lockdown. So you have to then adapt or people. And that's how I see my goals. You know, the important thing, you have the big picture, which is the vision or your dream. 
Your goals are those activities you've set with timelines to get there. And sometimes you have to be able to adapt and be flexible. It's not every day you're going to have this perfect day. So intentionally, of course, I would like to have a day where I have a break and I can do something with my break. But in reality, not every day I do get a break to do something I really love, something with my family. But I learned to work with it. And I think that is very important. So not every day is that perfect. Today I had a good day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what kind of things then is a non-negotiable? What things will you do five, maybe six times a week that you have to have in your day? So what I like to say, I say you have to dare to be bad. So one of the things I've learned to do is prioritize. So I choose the key things that are core or that are really important because they're tied to my core values. And it will be having some personal time you know, for my spiritual life, having some time for my family, doing my work because I'm really passionate about my work. So I feel I have to deliver. Is My professional work is very important for me. And a bit of time for personal development. So I always have to put that. And I've always done that as, you know, even as a young engineer. But in the method I've done it has changed. And I tell people you have to learn to adapt. So as a younger engineer, like the first hour of the day when I'm in the office, I study. Like I literally lock the door. I come in earlier, an hour before the office starts, and I lock my office door and I read. I look for a book that would inspire, motivate, you know, or do research, something to feed and improve Jane as a person. And of course, my quiet time or spiritual time, I have that when I wake up in the morning. And of course, I have to focus on the day in terms of doing the work. I set the goals for the day, you know, meetings I have to have, things I have to. Then in the evenings, I do some things for my personal care, you know, like if it's an exercise, if I have to go to the gym, because I recognize that feeding uh, or taking care of my physical body is also honoring it and giving it the chance to make me, you know, do a better job at what I do. If I don't take care of the physical body, I wouldn't even have the energy levels to do all the things I do. So that becomes an important thing. Of course, going back home and spending time with my family. And sometimes it's not every day I get to do that. Like, but important thing that because it's a priority, you learn to focus on it. If I see it slipping, then I decide something has to change because this priority is no longer where it, it, it's meant to be. So it's time to you know, re, you know, replan, you know, move things around and ensure that it comes back on the priority list. So it could be small things like you know, having dinner with the family, playing with my kids, doing their homework, or going on a date with my husband, but something that ties me back to my family, which is also one of my core values, spending time with them. Absolutely love that. And I'm on this journey of finding my own voice, and I'm always doing personal development on the side, but also when I speak with you guys as well, because I'm taking notes, and I'm, I'm almost trying to get as much of Jane as I can in my head today to obviously move myself forward. So there's some great points here, and I just want to reiterate them for uh, anyone listening. The first is to be flexible and to recognize that not every day is going to be the same. And I, I read a quote, I can't remember the exact quote, but it talks about success and it talks about the ability to adapt. You've demonstrated that your ability to adapt and be flexible, but still align and prioritize your core values is absolutely incredible. And I would say to people, and I think this is me as well, I was guilty of this, is so often in our day-to-day -day stuff, we're not doing stuff that is aligned with our core values, which is why sometimes in a week or in a month or years, we feel unfulfilled. You know, what we've actually done is we've, we've been doing things for other people's priorities. So one of the things me and my wife do is we've designed this life together for the last five years where we look at our core values and they're very, they're very aligned and we do more things that we love in relation to our core values and less that we don't love. And it's really simple stuff. 
what happens is until you do that exercise of looking at the stuff you do on a daily mm -hmm. basis, you don't recognize it and you just keep going through the motion. So I'm so glad you've said that because I've just been doing this myself. And I love the last bit as well, which is personal care. I'm a massive advocate of looking after your body. If you've got a healthy mind, you've got a healthy body. It's so important. So I'm glad you looked that because you look great and you're smiling and you've got all this energy. So you can tell it's paying us. So if anyone is listening and you haven't seen the video version of this, start working out, start looking after yourself. But more importantly, look at your core values because that's going to be the closest thing that's going to factor how happy you are on a daily basis. And I'm not saying you're always going to be happy, but you would definitely find more fulfillment and happiness if you can do more things attached to that, if that makes sense. Just on point, you have just summarized it. Bless you. Well, all I was doing was taking your knowledge and just summarizing it. So thank you to you for that. So moving on ever so slightly then, Jane, I want to ask you about a time of adversity, one particular moment. But the reason I ask this question is because people listening often feel alone when they go through something bad. And it's that feeling of nobody will understand or how do I get through this? So I always ask stories of adversity and it can be any kind of story of adversity that you've overcome. Something where you hit a roadblock and you've overcome it through resilience, through perseverance. So that the person listening can then think, I remember when Jane said this or I remember when Aaron said this, that maybe I can draw on that skill set or that mindset and then I can persevere and move forward. So putting you on the spot a little bit, have you got any stories or anything that you can give us an example of, of where you've come through something and it was tough, it was tough for you, but then you persevered and you find the blessing on the other side? So I would, I would give one in terms of my career, which I went through. It, it was a tough time, really a tough time. So I was doing really well on the job, you know, getting promoted, being like the shining star. You know, when even your bosses, everybody's talking about you, like, they want you to come and share your success stories, you know, you're winning all their awards. So you're like a shining star, you know. Then um, there was a little bit of a challenge in the team I was managing, you know, with respect to a project. You know, I got involved. I'm like, you know, what's really going on here? Why am I having issues with some parts of my team? And the more I probed, it's almost like the more I got more involved, it was, is then it was all about me. Then it got to the point where literally at some point, it was so stressful. I was having disciplinary hearings, by the way. For those of you that understand what that means, that I decided, you know what, I'm going to walk away. Uh, this job is not the end of the world. I don't think I, I don't understand what is going on, but I, I'm definitely leaving. So I put in my resignation. I won't call the company. Some days later, the company made an announcement and they said there was, a, there was now some kind of a restructuring. The company had been planning. I wasn't aware of. And everybody, a level above me, uh, that layer was going to disappear. And that's when it made sense. Somebody just wanted my job and I didn't know that. So the, that layer had to disappear. And of course, the person above me wanted my job. So he took my job. He demoted and took my job. And it just all made sense. And I really felt, um, I felt betrayed because I really trusted him. And, you know, we worked so well together. It didn't even make sense that that could happen that way. And when other people were talking, oh, weren't you aware this was what was going on? I'm like, no. I was busy doing my job. I wasn't caring about what was going on around. Yeah. But it was a tough period because it, uh, it happened so suddenly, like all my plans were paused. But I really want to be grateful for, first of all, my husband, so the people you have around you, your support. Because when I was trying to process it, I didn't understand how one moment I was a shining star. And the second moment, somebody just wanted this job and had to do so, such an awful thing to get me to take the job. You know, like... What happened to trust and, you know, 
respect and all these yeah. core values we pledge to. But I think I must be grateful for my friends that saw me through because sometimes you need someone to put a mirror before you to understand that any situation is all about how you want to see it. You can see there's a glass half full or the glass empty. Because I know what my friends were doing, were putting a mirror before me. Oh, Jane, you're more than this. You know, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. You can do so much more. Remember you wanted to do this and this and this. Why don't you start thinking of that? And that's what I did. So I pivoted. I said, oh, yeah, that's true. I wanted to do all these things. So even though I was pain, because you want to be in control of the situations around you. You don't want people to control the narrative. And I just felt in that situation, I wasn't in control. Somebody was controlling it. So I decided to focus on the things I thought, oh, I've always said I wanted to do these things. I never had time. So what happened? That became a huge pivot that exploded my career. Because I started doing all these things I was passionate about. And you know, before I knew it, I was, you know, having so many speaking engagements, I'm writing books, I'm having so many job offers. You know, like I couldn't even believe. I'm like, wow, welcome, Jane. Looks like everybody's been waiting for you. So just back to what we're talking about being in a, a time of crisis. I wouldn't say that when I was, because when you're in the crisis, sometimes you don't even realize that you have the tools because you want to really spend time feeling so sorry for yourself. So there were days I sat in the bathroom and I really wanted to cry because I wanted to be in control. I want to be the one dictating what happens in my life. I don't want people scheming and planning and trying to control me. It was painful to, to have all those plans and all of a sudden somebody's forcing you to make those changes. But what I realized is one, you have to learn to take control and take control means going back to yourself. What do you really want? What's your purpose in life? What's your calling? What are you trying to do? Every other thing is just a tool. It just means you've changed the tool to achieve it. Remember? I always say to people, you know the, the knife in the kitchen? In a woman's hand is used to chop onions and tomatoes and potatoes to cook. But if a bad guy shows up in the kitchen like a, a robber or, or you know, a very bad guy, he's going to take that knife into a tool for a mother or something else to hurt someone. So what you have to learn in life is that you're bigger than some of those activities you, you find yourself. You're bigger than your job. Those things are tools. What is more important is your purpose in life and your calling. So you can change the tools and it doesn't take anything from you. So that's one of the things I would say, but the support system is so important because mentally to get to that point, you know, there's a rational part of you that wants to think that way. There's an emotional part of you that's saying, oh no, we need revenge. We need to do something. But when you have the right support, because they, they learn to bring you back to your core, they learn to remind you, they learn to put the mirror and say, hey, look at, this is the Jane I know. That's the Jane I want to see. Where is this Jane? Let's go back to this Jane. So that mirror, that reflection becomes a reminder to walk back the process and continue on that journey. Because for me, I see that as a distraction. You know, bringing out those emotions you don't want. You don't have a mirror to remind you, okay, what happened to this Jane, you know? And sometimes it's a coach. It could be family. Uh, in my case, I was lucky. It was my husband. It was my friends. But as well, it was my coach. Because I was sitting in a coaching session. He'd be like, she'd be like, we spent an hour talking about this. So when are we going to talk about all those other important things, Jane? She don't really talk about them. 
So those people just bring reminders and gradually get you back focused on what you should be doing. So I, I think with those, with those two sets, you know, you need to have them for the day of trouble. You know, days of trouble will come. You know, nobody's avoiding it. You need to build the right support system before the day of trouble comes. So in the day of trouble, they're there to support you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And there's so many similarities just with my own experiences. And I'm sure people are listening as well that we can relate to that. So you said some beautiful things there. And again, I always summarize it, one, for my own understanding, but two, hopefully a listener can get it as well. I love the analogy of put a mirror before yourself. Because in the midst of adversity or straight after adversity or when something bad's happened, we forget that mirror. We forget our own purpose or actually what we're trying to achieve. And we don't necessarily look for another toolkit, for example, like using the knife a different way to use your metaphor. So I absolutely love that. And you said straight away after feeling betrayed because you had expectations and we all have expectations of people. But having expectations is also dangerous because you're giving away control if they don't abide to the expectations and you said straight away that you were grateful for your husband and this is one of the things i recognized in adversity through my life personally is there's always something no matter how bad you think your life is that you can be grateful for there's always something especially if you have the facilities to listen to this podcast or watch us on youtube for example you have more than most people in the world so i love that place of gratitude that's something we can always do and you mentioned about the control element which for an anxious person is like Losing control is the worst thing in the world. I need to control everything. I need to know what's going on. But one of the mantras I've used for the last six to nine months is control the controllables. And I say that to myself nearly every day because when I'm going through it and I'm struggling, I think, okay, control the controllables. What can I control? And I have to write it down. I journal. So as I write it down, I put a line of what I can control and what I can't control. And then with the stuff I can't control, I do a worst case scenario and I accept if that happens, is that okay? And that kind of just brings down my stress levels. And then obviously I try and control what I can. So I love it. And I love your honesty as well, because you said there were days where you just felt sorry for yourself. So I want to ask you now then, for somebody who's been through a lot, who's died from the bottom, who doesn't let anything face her in terms of what she's doing moving forward, what's your biggest fear right now? Hmm, what's my biggest fear? I think I wouldn't call it a fear, but I think it's my biggest desire is I want to ensure that I'd be able to positively influence my environment. Because I, I, I strongly believe that everybody has a purpose in life. You know, everybody has a calling. And it depends on how you see it. But I think the biggest loss to your generation is to show up and don't show up, if you understand what I mean. Like, you actually were here, but you didn't show up. You didn't leave your full potential. You didn't leave your mark. You didn't create impact. You didn't leave that purpose. So I'll say that's some of the things that I've thought about. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book I wrote. Because at that point, I kept telling myself, I really wanted to say so much to my daughter. She's nine. I wanted to give my kids so much of my experience. And I'm like, how's I going to do it? I'm so busy. Do I do? They're too young. Some of those things I can't tell them. And that's how I started the journey of writing the book. Because I believe the, the biggest, I think the biggest positive for me it's, um, I think it's David Brooks that says it best. He says you have to kind of see this, you know, like the, the academic or the career series, like where you talk about all the things you've achieved. Or what he calls more the character-based CV, which is if you were dead and there was a funeral being held and people had to come and give a speech of their experiences, you know, engaging with you or spending time with you or just being exposed to you. 
what would you want them to say? And that for me, character CV was more important than the career CV because you would have impacted lives if people could say all those positive things about you when you were no more. And I think for me, that's what more, you want people to leave you and leave you knowing that they became better yes. or they were positively influenced. You don't want to leave this planet and people are like, oh, thank God she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> a horrible person. Absolutely. Or maybe they wouldn't stay there. They'd be like, oh, we don't care. You're like, she came and yeah, nobody even, was she ever there? We don't even know. It makes a difference. You know, either, either way, you know. But I think what you really want is that no matter who you are, you could be a cleaner, a teacher, you know, someone that is young, and you want to ensure that if somebody had to sit up and read your eulogy, what do you want them to say? And I think for me, that's what is it's a big driver right now. Maybe you could call it, it's not like a fear, but I think it's something I've really, really been thinking about, reflecting about, and really focusing on working towards. So, if you're committed to not only enhancing your mental health, but also your physical well-being too, then you need to check out our new sponsors, Health Excel. Providing you the best superfood blends on the market in their non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and of course, organic formulas, they bring you superfoods like no others you have seen on the market. They also don't just stop there, as they provide you free consistent information to educate and empower you on your overall health and well-being journey. So don't just stop at the end of a Find Your Voice episode. Get yourself some Excel blends and put the odds in your flavor. Once it goes live, there will also be a unique discount for anyone who comes from the Find Your Voice podcast as you guys are now part of my family and I only want to see you thrive even more. So check out the links in the description below and get notified as soon as they go live. Back to the episode. Absolutely. And I, and I just quickly Googled here. So there was, there was a quote and I love this quote back in the day. And it was, it says to live in the hearts we leave behind is not to die. And that's legacy for, for me. It's a, a similar kind of process to you, but you also said a quote here and it's one of the best quotes I've heard, which was the biggest loss to our generation is not showing up. I don't know why that just really resonated with me because like you said, some of us are just, we're just here. And I feel like the more I speak to people like yourself, the more personal development I do, I want to shake everyone because I want people to get it. Like we're here for a very, very short amount of time. Today, we should not take for granted. Tomorrow, it's not promised. Let's go and do what's in our heart. Let's go find our voice. Let's do what we can. So I'm always trying to churn out information yes. of stuff that I hear because I want people to feel how I feel. Like you feel alive. You feel like, okay, now I found my stride and I want people maybe earlier than me to, to get that as well. So I absolutely love that. And you mentioned something about the character CV as well. And you can, you can see this just through your energy and your core values. And you mentioned it earlier about your job. We so often define ourselves by a job title or by the status of our, our wealth or income. And sometimes your character is the most important thing. I always say your character is something that the moment you put a taint on that, that's going to affect the rest of your life. Everything else is just materialistic things and we can always just get that. And I normally ask this at the end of the podcast interview, but your book, you mentioned your book. What's your book called so the audience can go and grab a copy and get more into your mind? Obviously after this episode though, so please stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. so my book is called Be Fearless. Give yourself permission to be you. And it's a book where I actually just put together some of my experiences, my career journey, but with the intention of sharing that so that I could give people permission to be the better versions of themselves, 
to inspire them to aspire to dream and to go for it i love that i absolutely love that so what i will do is put that in the show notes as well for anyone who is interested please do support that because if you find this as useful as i found that book's going to be absolutely incredible so that's definitely on my to-do list as well so thank you for that jane and on that note, we are going to have to move on ever so slightly into what I call the fun part of the show. Although I've had fun all the way through this because I've been smiling. It's very difficult to do an interview with yourself, Jane, and not just smile. Even when we talk about the resilience and coming from where you come from, because it's infectious. And smiling is one of the greatest tools as well for like your mental well-being. It's actually proven from a scientific standpoint as well. So you've definitely enhanced my day. I mean, where I am in the UK now is quarter to five. So I've had a very long day of interviews and you've made me feel like it's first thing in the morning. So thank you for that. But moving on ever so slightly into our fun part of the show, what I'm going to do now, Jane, is for the next 60 seconds, I'm going to ask you random questions. So just one word or one sentence answers only. Are we ready? Okay, I'm ready for the game. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's go. Jane, what is your favorite hobby? Dancing. The scariest thing you have ever done? Jump off a bungee jumping. Bungee jumping. <laughs> yeah. Your proudest achievement? Proudest achievement. There were so many, but uh, going back to the slums and having a TED Talk and, and sponsoring a TED Talk for them. Wow. That must have been amazing. Other than yourself, because I think you're fantastic, who is your favorite motivational speaker? Tyler Perry. If you could get the listeners to do one thing after this episode, what would it be? Go back to their notebooks and journal about what they really wanted to do in life if they had to impact the world love that if you could abolish one thing in the world what would it be racism yes <laughs> absolutely 100 percent. what is your favorite book malcolm gladwell's david and goliath what are you secretly good at that nobody knows using canva i'm just like something uh, brilliant jane would you rather the ability to read minds or predict the future read minds what is your biggest goal this year my biggest goal this year was to make sure that my book is promoted if you could sit with one person in the world for an hour who would it be dead or alive i think it would be my grandmom and finally jane what song best describes your life hmm, that's a tricky one now i can't think of anyone right now just thinking hard i have lots of favorite songs. depends on my mood <laughs> okay what's your favorite happy song because this has been a very very happy episode okay the, the one I've been listening to uh, for a while now is Fly Me to the Moon, Frank Sinatra. Okay. I love that. A bit of swing. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. Thank you. So that is the end of the fun part of the show. So just two more questions, if I may, Jane, just before we close the show. The next question is about reflection. And I think this will be a really interesting answer from yourself. So I'm a firm believer that hindsight is a wonderful thing. It can teach us ways to get to where we are easier, quicker, or with less heartache. But also the journey teaches us so, so much as well. So what I want to know, Jane, is with all your knowledge and all your wisdom today, if you could go back to the shy Jane, the young Jane, where she wasn't so sure of herself and she had more doubts, perhaps, and whisper something in her ears, what would you say? You know, what I would have told her would be to focus on the journey and be less anxious. I was very anxious. The the shy Jane, I spent so much time being anxious because I was too scared that, you know, these things won't happen. How would they be? How can I, you know... I spent so much time worrying and being anxious and that took a lot of energy. But I would have just told Jane to just focus on the journey. Great advice. And that sadly does, Jane, leave us to the last question. And the last question is similar to actually what we spoke about a little bit earlier and it's about legacy. So if in 150 years time, science fails to save us and all that exists now is this book and this book is about you, it's about your life. 
It's about all of the weird and amazing and wonderful things that you've achieved and all the lives that you've touched. Firstly, what would the title of this book be? And secondly, what would the summary at the back tell us about you? Well, the book was already there. The book would be Be Fearless. <laughs> but I think the summary on the, uh, at the back will talk about Jane that came and lived a life where she showed so much courage and inspired others to do the same. And I want to say courage, because when I, when I use the word, people tend to take it loosely to feel like, oh, to be courageous means you're the strongest set if you have everything. But to courageous just means to show up, to do those things even when they scare you. Even when you're not sure, you don't have all the tools set, you're still going on on that journey. That for me is courage. Absolutely. I love that. And I agree with you. I think courage is, it's not always seen the right way. So for example, People find it courageous that I used to box. I used to, I used to do a bit of boxing. So standing in a ring and you just punching each other. I didn't find that difficult. I was never really afraid of it. I find sitting on a mic, especially 17 months ago, as my act of courageousness. And I always say this to people, if there's no fear there, then, then there's no courage, essentially. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it could be the simple things for many of us in life. And that's courageous. And if we do that, we should acknowledge that from ourselves and be very, very proud of it. So I love that you've just reiterated that. Now, sadly, that does leave us to the end of the show. I, th- I feel like we could just do podcasting all day because you put me in a great mood. Oh, I'm enjoying it. I'm it. Really, really enjoyed it, Jane. And what I do always ask at this point is just before you give us the ways that we can follow your journey and maybe support you as well, is, is there any questions you wish I had asked you today or is there any final messages you want to leave the audience with? Well, I think you asked me some very good questions and I love that because I've gone to a lot of podcasts, but this one... You know, I love the way that the, the questions went because you really, really helped me, you know, to be more vulnerable and explain some of the things and why I'm doing it. And if I really wanted to leave any message for the audience, it's just to make the days count, you know. Every day we show up, but just make it count, you know. Be more intentional with your days. That's one of the things we're learning with COVID, you know. There are no guarantees. We still have things that no, even the scientists don't have answers to. But it's important that in the midst of all this, we just make the days count. Be intentional about your day. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. And what is the best ways that people can follow your journey, Jane? Oh, you can follow me all over social media. Well, apart from Snapchat, I've not gone yet to Snapchat. But I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter as Jane Egerton Idehe. Easy to find me there. And also you can find the book on Amazon as well. So Be Fearless is on Amazon. I have a web called janeegerton.com and you can find all this information on the website as well. Okay, fantastic. So what I'm going to do is put all of that in the show notes for you and please do get the book as well. Please do support Jane because you've definitely heard in this short 50 minute segment now, there is so much knowledge and wisdom and it's been an absolute pleasure as well. And I'm so grateful to have this platform where I'm able to meet people like yourself and almost as a selfish pursuit, enhance my mind as well. And I always say, when somebody takes time out of their day to come on Find Your Voice, you're part of my Find Your Voice family. This is a solely passion project. And I'm so grateful I took the courage one day to pick up a mic and then start speaking out and trying to help other people. So I'm so grateful that I've met you. I'm grateful you took time out of your day today. And I'm also grateful for all the listeners at home. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Alan. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.